Welcome to the podcast of Rainbow Family Christian Center with Pastors Horace and Patricia Drumming. We would like to thank you for joining us today, and we pray that you are impacted, inspired, and encouraged by the Word of God. Let's check out today's message. Jesus. There's no one like our God. He's great. He's greatly to be praised. He blesses us when we come in. He blesses us when we go out. He blesses us in the city. He blesses us. Everything that we put our hand to, the word confirmed, he blesses us. Somebody shout, I'm blessed this morning. You're blessed. The word says you're blessed and highly favored. That wasn't just the only word to Mary. It's a word to you as well. You're blessed and you're highly favored. And God says that he will increase you in favor. He'll increase you in favor with God. He'll increase you in favor with mankind. There's nobody like God. Come on, nobody can look at the void and the darkness and say, hey, let there be light. Nobody like him. Nobody like our God. Nobody who can raise the dead, nobody like our God, who can speak and say, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus has to get up. Everybody else is still laying in the tomb, but Lazarus gets up, walks out, and Jesus says, take the grave, take the grave clothing off of him. Lazarus has more time on this earth. Jesus meets a woman going to bury her son. They've got him lifted up on their shoulders. And Jesus says, was this your only son, ma'am? And she says, yes, sir. He said, well, then get up. Come on, nobody like our Jesus. There's nobody like him. Even when the devil thought he had him truly defeated and had nailed him to a cross, had put him in a tomb, had literally sealed the tomb and put blockages over it, but how many of you know the stone got rolled away and Jesus has folded his clothes and he is sitting and said, and the angels are saying, what you looking for? Come, somebody say it again. Nobody like Jesus. There's nobody like him. Look. Here's the promise that he makes to you and I. This same Jesus is coming back. This same Jesus is coming back. There are too many people who are looking at your past and perhaps too fixated on your presence to realize that God is saying, look to the hills from which comes your help. Your help, my help, our help, the nation's help, the world's help is coming from the Lord. This is why God is trying to get it straight, to get your eyes back on Jesus. Folks, the government cannot solve it. Science won't solve it. All of the so-called think tanks cannot solve it. Only Jesus. Somebody said, only Jesus. Only a God like you. Only a God like you. How many of you, you remember a song we used to sing, Only a God Like You? See, I, I'm not going to give my praise to the world. You know, look, today, stadiums are going to be full again, and people are going to be giving their praise to a, 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 a pigskin filled with air. People are going to come out by the thousands. This is what we're saying to you as a church, and I know many of you are viewing. It's time for you to get up and come out too. You cannot just stay there in the cave. 
Look, God will allow all of his people to go into a cave. But all he wants you to do when you go in the cave is learn how to behave. Come on, I'm, I'm talking about Elijah. For some of you don't understand what I'm talking about in First Kings, Elijah had to go into a cave. Elijah had gotten so depressed, so so downcast about the situation of the world and the and 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 and, and the society at that point in time, and so he just simply went into a cave, really depressed. And I love what God does with him. It is simple. It's simple to preach it too, because you know what God does with Elijah. The Bible says he eats, he sleeps. He gets back up, he eats, <laughs> he goes back to sleep, he gets up this time, but God said, I need you to put your shoes on. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, I need you to put your shoes on this morning. Put your shoes on, because you remember what happened? He said, there's a storm coming. But God gave him strength to outrun the storm, outrun the chariots. I don't know if you've ever been around a horse. A horse can run pretty fast. But this man, in the strength of God, was able to outrun the horses and the chariots. In the strength of God, nothing shall be impossible with you. Look, tell your neighbor, I'm blessed. You're blessed this morning. And you're highly favored. And there's nobody like your God. And the Bible says you can be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. It's not by human might, not by human strength, not by human power. It is by the power and the spirit of God. And God said, I came to endure you with some power. Fill you with my spirit. Fill you with the fire. How many of you know your God is a consuming fire? God is a consuming fire. So what's trying to consume you? God says, I will trouble your trouble. Glory to God. That's why you can say with a confidence, if God be for me, come on, you know what it says, who then can be against me? God is for you this morning. God is for you this morning. Hallelujah. I feel like preaching this morning. Glory to God. Go ahead and sit down. Give your neighbor a virtual hug as you're sitting down. And let's just get into the word. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm just going to take care of some of the uh, administrative things of the house this morning. And then we're just going to get right into the word of God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God just want to remind all of the leadership of this church we're having a, a virtual meeting tonight at 6 p.m. sent a link to you and uh, I was laughing brother Felix was saying oh, pastor you didn't you either were uh, what did you say to me I he what you weren't you weren't you were tired you were rested well rested or you were real tired because he realized that I sent out this uh, email at 2 o'clock in the morning <laughs> I was just up and excited about God, that's all. I was just up and excited about God. And folks, I, I, I'm not weary. I'm, I, I'm not at a state of fatigue. I'm just at a state of just knowing that my God is supplying all of my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I mean, you know that God will supply all of your need. In Christ, there will be nothing missing, nothing broken, nothing out of place. But we're talking about in Christ. The Bible shows us, and we sing songs like this, and in him we live, in him we move, and in him we have our being. I would encourage all of the members of this church, if you don't already have it in your 
uh, journal or library that you get a copy of the in him. You need to know who you are in Christ. It's a lack of knowledge that God says my people perish. My people perish for what? A lack of knowledge. Where there is no vision, the Bible says you begin to perish. But when you have a vision of who you are, I tell you, I don't care what the devil says about you. You know who you are. And then you can stand and tell the devil, get thee behind me. Because this is who I am in Christ. And every one of us ought to know who we are. And, and, and when you know who you are, the Bible is going to affirm and confirm to you that no weapon formed against you is going to be able to prosper. Those songs that I, I put into that queue this morning, they were intentional. They were intentional. No weapon formed against you can prosper. And somebody say that. You need to get it in your spirit this morning. No weapon formed against me can prosper. Folks, I'm just letting you know the Bible is telling you weapons are being formed against you. But in Christ, the Bible says God has given you enough to quench all of the fiery darts of the enemy. It is no question you have an enemy. It is no question that he is firing some darts at you. Literally, one translation says he's firing missiles at you. And I don't know if you've ever uh, been aware or, or some of you have perhaps been on battlefields and you realize a missile, when it's launched, it can do some severe damage. Folks, uh, in my military days, when they would drop a bomb from the Air Force perspective, it could leave a crater for at least a half a mile. That's the impact, that when it touched and hit and had impact in the ground, and, and, and the devil would like to just launch any and everything that he could to, you know what the Bible says his, he does? He's come to do what? Steal, Steal kill, kill, destroy. Everybody say, Jesus. Jesus. Why do you call him Jesus? Because you know Jesus has come that you might have what? Life. And that you might have it? Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. That's what we call him. And that's who you should call on. That's who you should continually be calling on. And especially in the time that we're living in. Especially in this time. This is where you get to put it into practice. I mean, remember that last week I was sharing with you. You've got to be able to see that you've got to put this in drive now. A lot of people are in neutral. How many of you realize what I'm talking about? On your gear shift in your vehicle, there's this little uh, alphabet that says N, and that N stands for what? Neutral. How many of you know I could put the, metal, uh, the pedal to the metal in neutral? How far will I be going? What generally will I be doing if I stay in neutral and just mash the pedal all the way to the floor? What's gonna, what am I going to do? <laughs> He's a burn gas. I'm going to be a clinging symbol. I'm going to be making a lot of noise, in essence, is what's going to be happening. You ever have somebody in your neighborhood just be raising their motor, but they're not going anywhere? And it's just what? Noise. God says you are supposed to be more than just noise. Amen? Amen? There's an opportunity, folks, to win more people to Christ right now than ever before in your lifetime. 
This is why last week it was intentional about preaching about the Good Samaritan. And I shared with you, I felt like every one of you were going to get a Good Samaritan moment in your next seven days. Anybody in here, you experienced that? I mean, even before the day was out on last Sunday, you experienced a Good Samaritan opportunity. I know my wife did. She came home so excited that she woke me up. I didn't know I was asleep. I thought I was watching a football game, but I was... <laughs> I, and she came home just excited. Folks, this is, I believe every one of us passed somebody this week that if we had have been so sensitive, we could have heard God saying, that's the one. That's the one. Share me with them. Pour my love out on them. Pour this word out on them. They are broken. They are wounded. They are hurting. I share it with you. It's like that, those garments that are, we call them knitted garments. You ever had somebody take those big needles and make your garment a sweater? And you know how when one string is loose, one of the things that we want to do, not do with that string is do what? Pull on it. But I'm saying to you, you're going to have to think the opposite way when it comes to the things of God because there are people who are dangling their string. You're coming in contact with people who are dangling that string, and you need to pull on it. Somebody shout, woman, thou art loosed. You know what I'm talking about? Sometimes people can be bound for a long time, and they're just dangling, dangling that string at you and saying, will you pull this and loose me? Would you help me to get loose today? Folks, all of us have that opportunity to do that. And I'm saying to you, don't allow yourself to go back into a cocoon where you are not concentrating on what heaven is concentrating on. What is God's desire? Anybody know what is God's desire? What does the word tell us God's desires? That all men be saved. Now, I want you to close your eyes for just a moment. And I want you to ask yourself, is all my family saved? I'm just going to start with your house. I'm starting with your brother, your sister, your son, your daughter. Come on, you got to put your phones away. Come on, guys. You got to put your phones away. You got to put that foolishness away. And you need to focus in. Because many of us are passing the opportunities in our own home to bring our children to the Lord. We're just okay with them going through the routine. You, you, you cannot, and God does not need you to get satisfied with your children giving you just, I mean, a routine conversation. How are you? Fine. And they're not fine. They're lost. They're without Christ. And if they were to die today, where would they go? I know people don't like pastors to say that, but they would go straight to hell. Yet, the opportunity is there for you not to let them go there. Just to talk about Jesus. Honey, baby, however you call them, whatever that little affectionate adjective that you use to talk to your child, I'm going to ask each one of you to talk to your children today. Some of you haven't made that call this week. 
Perhaps you're waiting in your child to make that call. But I'm saying to you, the Spirit of the Lord is saying to them this morning, you need to make that call. Those of you who are viewing, in the viewing audience, the same thing. You need to make that call today. You need to make that contact today. You need to have that Jesus conversation. Oftentimes, you know, what happens is people say, well, my child accepted Jesus when they were six years old. Are they still serving him? Are they still serving him? Because sometimes, you know, our children can truly go back. The Bible refers to that word as backslidden. They've slid away from God. And God says, they can be redeemed. They can come back. They can be restored. But you have to know. How many of you know when you've lost something? The Bible says when you lose something, and I, whew, I want to preach that message, but I can't this morning. When you lose something, you, you see how the Bible says, man, you turn the, how many of you lost some money down in your, in your couch one time? What do you do? I mean, you take the pillows out. You start turning some things up because you know something is lost. And, and you're intentional about going, getting the loss. The Bible talks about a, a, a shepherd. He said, when one sheep is lost, he is so determined to go get that one sheep that he'll leave the 99. Anybody determined to get somebody into the kingdom today? You're determined to get somebody into the kingdom today. That's your priority today. That's your mission today is to get somebody into the kingdom today. The Bible tells us the harvest is plentiful. Anybody know anything about farming? Raise your hand. I got a few people in here. I mean, you know that this is even literally in the natural. This is the mark when every farmer must get the crop in. This is when other farmers come and help other farmers because they know that if we don't get the crop in now, the season is about to change. And everything that you have toiled and everything that you have worked for will be lost. Folks, God didn't allow you to bring children into this world for them to be lost. God didn't have you as you were doing all that you did for your children to grow up and to become grown and, to, and then go out and leave the things of God. Don't let your children just settle telling you that they go to church. That's not what the scripture tells us. It's not about come to church. It's about become. Become the church. Become the house of God. Become the temple of God. Become a believer. Become an evangelizer. Become a worshiper. How many of you know what God is searching for this morning? What is he searching for according to the scripture? Worshippers. Where are your children? Can you say with assurance, my child is worshiping the Lord this morning? Or is your child slumbering? Is your child gone away and astray from the things of God? That's what you want to do is to pull them back. They'll listen to you. Trust me, you have an anointing on your life right now that when you open your mouth, they will listen and respond accordingly. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Praise God. So leaders, 6 p.m. this evening, find that link uh, in the email 
on the 27th of October, which is a Wednesday night, 7.30 p.m., normally it's a time that we would be having a church Bible study, and the associate ministers in this house would have been teaching, but at the last Wednesday, that is the last Wednesday of this month, we want to have a church business meeting. In other words, I want you to be brought up to speed of, this is where we were before COVID hit us. This is where we're in what's been happening during this 19 months, almost 20 months of this COVID period that we've been in. And folks, this is what we see ahead. We want to talk, yes, finances. We want to talk uh, vision to the people. And I want it to be from th three perspectives because I see a, a three-prong from our church. One is our school, our academy. So we're going to be asking our principal, uh, Faith uh, Shama Davis, to bring some perspective on what's going on with the Rainbow Academy. My wife, who uh, heads the uh, other uh, 501C uh, organization of this church called the Rainbow Community Development Center, who's working me real hard. Yesterday we worked. Wow, every time I looked up, there was at least 80 cars in line. That was some good Samaritan opportunity for many of you. I, I, I was so glad. I looked there and I, I saw Felicia, I saw Faith, I saw Ursula, I saw many of them just from car to car praying with people. And people saying, well, you know, uh, we need to go knock on doors. Folks, when people are knocking on your door, you don't need to go knock on the door. Because they come into your house. I was thankful people like Domingo was here at the altar praying. And that's why I said, some of you can't do levy, heavy lifting, and we know that. But you can do some heavy lifting. Yeah. It's called prayer. Amen. And so it made a difference to have people at this altar while there were people at the back door serving people. I, I, you know, I, I got the privilege of meeting um, Oral Roberts way back when, when he was living. And we were just all just fascinated with him in a sense because God had done great things through Oral Roberts. But Oral Roberts began to tell us something that uh, I, he was beginning to let us know it was very common. He talked about a man named T.L. Osborne. Any of you know who T.L. Osborne? I know he's gone home to be with the Lord, but you remember T.L. And he talked about these men, um, what was the other one? He... he um, I want to say Humbard, uh, but that doesn't seem right. It'll come back. But they built, when they would do these crusades, they built their platforms high enough for people to walk up under the platform. And they would have multitudes of people up under the altar when they were preaching, praying. Can you imagine if we built the altar in this church that high? Who would pray? I see some of you understanding the significance of prayer. The significance of prayer. And that's what he talked about. It's about prayer. It's about prayer. It's about prayer. You do more heavy lifting in prayer than you can do physically picking up a 40 or 50 pound box. And so I'm saying that again, in two more weeks we'll be doing the same thing, and I, I would imagine multitude of people, folks, there are just hundreds of people still showing up and saying, I have no job. There are hundreds of people that are saying, oh, please pray for me. My mom is sick. My household is filled with COVID. And it's only for you to be fearful. We are... 
we are making sure that we have the protective gear on, we're making sure that we're masked, we're, we're making sure that we do those things in the natural that we're supposed to be doing. Even encouraging, as I did last week, yes, folks, get vaccinated. And trying to make sure that nobody in our leadership and nobody in Rainbow is telling people don't get vaccinated. That would, that would just be so wrong, that would be so out of order. Because God does everything decently. God does everything orderly. God does everything to promote life. Amen. And that you might have life and that you might have it what? More abundantly. And the devil would love to have an opportunity to kill you. But God is surrounding you. And he's surrounding you with favor like a shield. And he is asking us. And you say, well, I don't drive. Then you know what? I'm going to ask Ms. Ursula next time. Make sure that that Uber Comfort line is open. Jump on the line and pray. If you can't physically get here, then you say, well, from my home, I am going to be praying, and I'm going to stand in the gap. Everybody shout unity. I mean shout it. Shout unity. Unity. You know, the Bible says that's when Jesus is coming back. When the church truly get into the unity of the faith. I was thinking this morning, you know, from my dashboard of how I look at the prayer lines on, in the morning from uh, that computer application, I can generally tell how many people are online praying with us. And I thought, God, what's the reason the other people aren't? What's the reason the other people aren't? Are, are they driving here? Are they getting dressed? And yes, I, I had that negative part. Do they not even care? Yes, perhaps somebody's working. I, hear, I heard that in the background from somebody. Your, your thoughts were coming out real loud. See, sometimes there is valid reasons. But what I'm trying to get you to do is look at yourself and say, this morning, if I had to stand before Christ and say, well, Lord, this is the reason why I didn't pray. Do you think it would stand the test? Because the Bible says it's, when we get before God, it's going to be what's gold and what's hay. And it's all going to be put to the fire. How many of you have ever seen what happens with hay and fire? Anybody ever seen what happens with gold and fire? It's just going to be purified. And it's still going to come out Pure gold. Even the dross is removed out of it. So that's what God is trying to say to us as a church, folks. Uh, we are daily being asked, I believe, of God to judge ourselves. I am not here. I am not your judge. But you are given that privilege by God to judge yourself. And ask yourself, how would you, would you be able to stand before God? You remember last week, it was... Are you really a good Samaritan, or do you just simply like identifying with the good Samaritan? Perhaps you are mostly aligned with the priest or the Levite that we saw in that story, who is okay passing those opportunities by. And perhaps some of us, the fourth man that many of us don't spend time on, we're the victim. We've been so beat up that we need somebody else to help us to get up. Hallelujah. 27th of the month, church business meeting, November 6th. 
My friend is probably looking and laughing at me because he tells me I preach sermons out of my announcement. <laughs> November 6th, that's a Saturday. It's going to be at 10 a.m. I want us to go back and revisit something that we did in April. Everybody say exit strategy. Exit strategy. Say, it, say it out loud, please. Exit strategy. Do you have one? I was listening, or perhaps I was reading it in a book. I think I read it. There's a man who his wife is being, had been diagnosed with uh, terminal cancer, stage four. The doctors had said to her, you only have 60 days, two months to live. And so one day, as he was being a caregiver to his wife, he looked at her, and she says, What's the deep stare for? And he says, how does it feel to know that you're going to die? And she looked at him and she smiled and she says, how does it feel to think that you're not going to? And the story went on that he actually passed before she did. And so the exit strategy is about the fact that you know that it's been appointed once that all of us are going to and what do you have in place? What do you have in place? What are you going to leave for those who are left behind? A burden? Because you have saved nothing? You have not invested in something that would give the resources necessary. Anybody know how much it costs to bury a person right now? What do you think the average cost is? Nakia, I, I know you've just went through it. How much was the average cost, Nakia? She says close to ten to 15000 And she's accurate. Trust me, I've seen it. And Folks, I'm trying to get us away from that mindset where people were saying, well, what's the church going to do? Do you understand what they're asking? Do you know the Bible says that wasn't our responsibility? He says it's your responsibility and that you're worse than an infidel if you don't do these things to take care of situations. So what are we doing? Why is November 6th an important day? Why is that 10 a.m. to 12 p.m.? Because, folks, I'm going to bring people back in again, this time live. Last time we did it virtual. I'll still do a virtual session, but I really think it would be helpful that you come in and be live with us. I'm going to put some people here, including myself, to be able to answer some of these hard questions. I know it's a topic. It's not a topic I want to preach on. It's not a topic that I want to talk about every day or every week, or even every month. But it's a topic that must be discussed. And it's what's your plan to exit this world? And to look at some of the practical options that you can take. And yes, to deal with the expense. It is an expense, but it's far less if we deal with it now than I wish I had, had a man in here with a hat. Because how many of you know passing a hat ain't working no more? Go to your family members and say, you know, uh, is, we need 10,000. We need, they, they're going to look at you. I always, within me, I, 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 I don't know if I laugh, but I'm always 
careful to observe that even when I've gone with families, the person that's doing the less or was putting in the less amount is the one that always wants the most expensive casket and almost all the expensive trimmings, as you might say, with a funeral. And folks, it's important that we do this. So please come. Every leader, I need you here. Every congregant, I need you here. Perhaps you already got a plan, but maybe you need to look at it and see if it's still effective, because some of us, you bought your plans way back when, and it may not be what you think it is. Some of you bought insurance policies, like my dad. He bought insurance policies years ago, and we said, Dad, do you know how much this cash value, or what this value, if we had to redeem this? My dad had paid a hundred times more than what the policy was going to pay. I mean, it was practically worthless. And of course we said, we're dropping this, Dad. With your permission, we're dropping this. And some of these things that you may be carrying, you need to drop them. We will have professionals here that can and will assist you. And it's not the only person. I have several people that I can give you references to. But we're going to bring uh, one individual. Uh, her name is Natasha. She's out in the Hydesville area. We're going to bring her here. And I, I want you to bring your questions. And some of you might want to set some private time with her to simply go over some of the policies that you have. Because uh, some of you get policies, and I'm, I'm guilty of it and have been guilty of it in the past. They were 20, 30 years old, and you, if I were to ask somebody right now, what's the difference between uh, whole life and term? We, we really kind of... We're, we're, we're in a fog. Most of us are in a fog on it. Some of you are probably up to par on it, but most people aren't. And that's what we want to do. My people perish for what? And the Bible says we're supposed to be leaving an inheritance for our children and our children's children. But what I have found, or at least in my experience, we have left debt. We've left debt. And we don't want to keep leaving debt. We want to keep fulfilling what the Bible says to do. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. I'm done with announcement. How many of you know that God loves a cheerful giver? Why should you give in the, in the body of Christ anyway? I believe that God deals with us biblically and shows us. One of the reasons is in the book of Deuteronomy. And he says, I have given you the power to what? Get well. And what is the purpose of God giving you the power to get well? so that you can establish this covenant in the earth. In Ephesians, uh, God speaks to us about the fact that when we give, we are going to be able to help meet the needs of the poor. So if you were looking for even a reason to give this morning, give because you know that God wants to give to you good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Will, he give, will men be able to give unto your bosom? But he's given you the job that you have. He's given you the, uh, the sources of income that you have that you may not forget him. That he would be your first priority. That he would be your first love. And that you would give him your first fruit of all of the fruit that he has blessed you with. And that you would, and I would have enough to even help the poor, according to Ephesians 4.28. Let him who stole, he says, steal no more. But rather let him labor, working with his hands, what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. 
folks as a church through the CDC, and it's a rough estimate on my part, but I feel like we've probably given somewhere nearly $5 million worth of food, if not more, just this year alone. We're not talking about last year and the previous years. Just this year alone. But you aren't able to do that unless the people truly fulfill what God says to do. Talib Muhammad cried on the phone with me. You know, last week I said to her, we're going to receive an offering for Talib. And I said, I believe we should give him $5,000. It's because of your response that we could do things like that so that he could keep going on the mission field like he's supposed to and preaching and teaching the gospel. Well, this is what it's all about. And, and it's important for me to live it out as well. And when I say live it out, it says, I'm not asking you to give so I can get a Rolls Royce. You see my Rolls Royce. That's not, uh, look, that won't do me any good. It, it's not for me to get a plane that I'm not planning to fly anywhere but from here down to North Carolina. That, that's not what it's for. It's so that we can take the gospel as far and as fast as possible into the uttermost parts of the earth. So that we can reach into our own community, so that we can reach outside of this community, so that we can reach outside of this nation, so that Jesus is glorified. Amen? And the Bible says, but I need you to be cheerful about it. So do I have any cheerful givers this morning? Yes. Father, I thank you for that, and I thank you for the corresponding return on their giving. In Jesus' name, amen. When you are ready, bring your tithe, bring your offering to the storehouse, and then we're going to get right into the word. Oh, 
Shaking together and running over. Amen. Hallelujah. That's a part of your cup running over and the goodness and the mercy of God following you all the days of your life. Well, if you've got your Bibles, I want you to open them. If you've got an electronic device, go ahead and uh, um, swipe to um, Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14. We're going to look at the perhaps the first 11 verses. I, I know I put in the system 7 through 11, but perhaps the first 11 verses is what we need to put it into context with. And um, the title of the message is uh, about greatness, biblical greatness. Now, there's a lot of things that the world, when we say somebody is great, uh, we attach something that they've done and as it were, describing them as great. I, I think somebody was asking me, somebody was talking about a quarterback for uh, now the Tampa Bay had been with New England for Tom Brady, and they said, he's the GOAT. And they said, what does that mean that he's the GOAT? And they said, it's an acronym. The greatest of all times is what they're trying to say. And, and, but you and I know this, biblically speaking, the greatest of all times is Jesus. It will always be Jesus. It always has been, always will be Jesus. But he speaks to you and I, and he says, the same mind that was in Christ needs to be in you also. How many of you know that Jesus himself said, you can do the works that I do, and even greater works will you be able to do in my name. So the greatest of all times is telling you and I, you likewise can be great, but we're going to look biblically at how he tells us greatness comes. I remember a period of time just kind of going with the flow, and I'm, I think you can remember that probably more than a decade ago. Everybody was on this narrative going to another level. Anybody can remember things like that? going to another level, going to another level. And the Lord said, but most people, when you talk about going to another level, they start thinking up. But the Bible, and you know that Jesus teaches in parables and also in paradox. Now, I know that many of you probably, when you talk about a parable, you've heard that given definition, a parable is a, 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 a earthly story about what? A heavenly uh, uh, experience or, or, or a heavenly message that God wants to get to you. But a paradox kind of helps us to see it's a story but it seems like the opposite. It, it speaks one thing but God is trying to get you to go deeper into that parable, deeper into that story, as it were, to get deep meaning for yourself. God's trying to help you to become strong. And this is why I've often said, when you're studying your Bible, 
You've never seen me ever after as a pastor tell you, okay, we're going to try to read through the Bible in one year. Great if you can do that, but that's really not the essence of what the Bible is trying to say to us. The Bible is saying how deep are you going to go? Not how much distance are you going to cover. How deep are you going to go in the word? How many of you know the scripture that says deep is calling unto what? Deep. God is calling you and I to go deeper in his word. Deeper. I, I believe that there's an NIV translation that they may have put up on the screen. So we're going to read from that. It says, one Sabbath day, Jesus went to eat dinner in the home of a leader of the Pharisees. And the people were watching him very closely. Verse 2 goes on to say that there was a man there whose arms and legs were swollen. And Jesus asked the Pharisees and experts in religious law, is it permitted in the law to heal people on the Sabbath day or not? Now, let's stop there. Don't go any further on that scripture. Go back to, to, and stay right there with me for a moment. How many of you remember teachings in the Old Testament about the Sabbath? What was the Sabbath for? Okay, you were to rest from your labor. And you were supposed to have all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind focused on who? On God at that time. Nobody knew Jesus yet. But they were focusing on Jehovah. Elohim. They were focusing on, on, on God. And so you were supposed to rest from your labor. You've heard me say this, I'm sure, in this congregation. You've heard me say there was a time in America that we had something called a blue law. Anybody know what the blue laws were? What was the blue laws, Brother Graham? I see your, your hand went up real quick there. What were the blue laws? There were certain things and certain businesses that just wouldn't open on Sunday. You couldn't think about going to no liquor store on no Sunday, no clothing store on a Sunday. Everybody was clothed. It's the Chick-fil-A model of today. I know some of y'all been praying that Chick-fil-A will start opening on Sunday. <laughs> but he, Mr. Kathy, understood biblical principles. And he said, I believe that this franchise will make just as much money and we can close on Sunday. Never have to open on a Sunday. We will work uh, Monday through Saturday. But on Sunday, he was encouraging people, go to the house of the Lord. Now, I don't know if it's true for all of them today, but there was a time when you went into Chick-fil-A, all you would hear was Christian worship. All you would hear was music that would glorify and magnify. How many of you know you go into stores and sometimes you, 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 you have to forget, sometimes you may forget who you were because they take you back into some places that you weren't supposed to be because they're playing music that starts to get into your spirit. And before you know it, you are back there tapping your feet and singing the lyrics to it. This is why I said to you, that's why I don't like wedding uh, receptions. Because everybody seems at the wedding reception think they have to play worldly music. We've got to play worldly music, we've got to dance like the world, we've got to act like the world at our reception. And I don't get it. So I'd I just rather say, uh, if you had a place setting for me, 
it's okay. I, I can go somewhere else and, and get a meal because I just don't want to be subject to that kind of mindset. And young people, I'm saying to you, some of you, I know you've missed it in that area. I'm not trying to put you down, but I'm trying to say for those who are coming, please think about things like this. Why do you have to take your Christian garments off and put on the world's garments? The Bible says we're supposed to put on the garment of what? And, and keep it on. It's like putting on the whole armor of God. Folks, you don't have to, you don't need any tide for it. You don't need any gain for it. You don't need to put it in your laundry basket. You can wear it all the time, 24-7. The whole armor of God. And so with the garment of pray, you can continually have praise in your mouth. And so Jesus asked the Pharisees and the experts in the religious law, is it permitted in the law to heal people on the Sabbath day or not. He's watching a man who has swollen legs. He's in pain. If somebody watching right now, that's your diagnosis. That's your prognosis. That's what you have been experiencing. You've been experiencing pain. In the name of Jesus, that pain has to leave your body. You may be sitting here right now, and that's, that's you're saying, man, it's, I feel uncomfortable, but that has to leave your body now. So Jesus is, in a sense, testing them. Let's go now to the, to, to the fourth verse there, Maui. And when they refuse to answer, see, sometimes when people ask you a question, people don't want to answer. I mean, you know, most of the time when people don't want to answer the question that you ask them, <laughs> Because they know the truth. But they don't want to deal with truth. And when they refused to answer, Jesus touched the sick man and healed him and sent him away. I mean, you know that it's okay to stop right in the middle of the service to get somebody healed. It's okay. You remember how there, there was a time where... They were accusing Jesus' disciples of not observing the Sabbath. They said, why are they out there? And, and, and Jesus' servants were, you know, going toward the temple. They were hungry. And the Bible says they reached and they grabbed some corn. Now, folks who grew up in the country, I don't know if you know that, but people would take the corn right off the stalk and eat it. They didn't have to put it in any hot water or in the microwave. They would actually pull it back and eat the corn. And that's what happened that day. And so they were now accused of working. In other words, you're out there in the field plucking corn, you're doing work on the Sabbath day. And you remember the, 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 the paradox that Jesus, or the, the parable that Jesus shared with them? He said, how many of you, if you're on your way to the temple, and you're Your carriage, your horse is pulling a carriage, and the carriage goes into the ditch. How many of you wouldn't get out and try to get your carriage out the ditch? So he's basically saying, you don't use scripture to try to control people. You don't try to use scripture to make it fit your lifestyle. The scripture, the Bible is so that it changes you and I. And it takes us deeper than where we sometimes like to land on a particular level. 
And the level that God is taking you is, we'll get to it in a minute. It's called abased. How many of you like, you often hear the scripture, every knee shall what? God's taking you lower. God's trying to get you to a place of greater humility. And a place of greater humility brings you to a place of greater ability. Because you realize this is not about me. This is about Jesus. This is about what God cares about. So he would then ask, was the Sabbath made for man or man for the Sabbath? Anybody been able to answer that question? Was the Sabbath made for man or was man made for the Sabbath? See, God wants you to go deeper in your thinking. Nobody wanted to answer. Nobody wanted to deal with the fact that, yes, we know this man is hurting, but sometimes we're so legalistic that we don't focus on the hurt. We're focusing on the legal things. And this is why I say this, and be careful as you hear this. I will always say this. Religion is what heal Jesus. You can do anything religiously. God is not come that you might have religion. He's come that you might have relationship. A relationship with him. And a lot of times people just still want religion. And it's stiff, it's cold, it's uncaring, sometimes it's very unkind. Because it's about religion, it's about this is how we've always done it. Have you ever looked at it and said, the way you've done it, is it biblical? Or have you just made it up? And you make it up along the way as you go and you do things out of tradition but not out of relationship. So he turned to them, verse 5. He turned to them and said, Which of you does work on the Sabbath? If your son or your cow falls into a pit, don't you rush to get him out? And again, they could not or would not answer. Now verse 7. We're going deeper now into this, what is greatness about? And when Jesus noticed that all who had come to the dinner were trying to sit in the seat of honor near the head of the table, he started to give them some advice. And hold right there, Maui. Don't get ahead of me. Anybody ever went to an event where there is no marked seating? And you're, 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 you're now, uh, the host has invited you there. What do you, you normally say? This is rhetorically speaking. Where, do you, where would you normally grab a seat at? Close to the host? Or perhaps further back? Just a thought. But Jesus is noticing how people are now being, as you were, self-seated. There is no uh, placards on the table. There's no, uh, he sits here, and this one is reserved for this one, and this one. No, Jesus said, everybody just come. And you know what started to happen. Because in that tradition, if you're seated closer to the person that's the host, that means you're a little closer. 
That means you're a little bit more important. How many of you realize that uh, people see the front seat as the people who are most important? Anybody remember President Trump when he was meeting with all of the leaders of the nation and it was time for a photo op? Anybody remember that scene? He just came and he just pushed the other world leaders apart. I'm supposed to be in the center. I mean, you know, many of us like to be the center of attention. Folks, I don't think it's anybody, self-included, that doesn't somehow self-promote. We self-promote our importance. And God is trying to get us out of that thing of where we have to be on top or we have to be the, the first one or we have to be, as it were, number one. Some expression says, I'm the man. God is trying to get us out of that point it's where it said, it's no longer, but it's Christ in me. Come on. Can you see heaven? Can you see God? Can you see God bringing a baby to give to us? Born in a manger. Not in a palace. Not with any red carpet. Can you see God giving us Jesus riding on a donkey? Palm branches thrown down as his red carpet, so to speak. Not coming lifted up, but coming humble. Not coming to be served, but to Come on, anybody want to be like Jesus? Anybody want to be like Jesus? So Jesus is noticing you just like he noticed them. What's your tendency? Are you thinking about others or are you just thinking about you? This is another good Samaritan moment, I believe. So let's go to verse, verse 8 now. Thank you. Here's your advice. When you are invited to a wedding feast, don't sit in the seat of honor. Don't sit in the seat of honor. What if someone who is more distinguished than you has also been invited? Folks, do you understand? There's a scripture in Proverbs that talks about it is better for you to be invited up than to be told you need to Anybody ever had to get up and move back a few seats? Because somebody said, oh, this seat is reserved, or oh, this. You know, I used to go to a conference out in Tulsa, and, and we would always, Pat and I, we'd always sit near the back. And oftentimes people would come back, oh, Pastor, uh, we need you, we want you to come sit here. But I never just assume that I'm supposed to be on the front row in the big chairs. <laughs> it's better to be invited to come than to be asked to step away. So Jesus is trying to get, he said, the host will come and say, give the person your seat. Then you will be embarrassed. And you will have to take whatever seat is left at the foot of the table. Instead, everybody say instead. instead. So God has given us some sound advice. Instead, take the lowest place at the foot of the table. 
I'm your senior. That includes you too. Instead, take the lowest place. Oh, I'm a pastor. Instead, pastor, take the lowest place at the table. Oh, I'm a bishop. Oh, I'm, come on, I don't care what title you put out there. God is saying, are you humble? Are you humble? Instead, take the lowest place at the foot of the table. Then when your host sees you, he will come and say, friend, we have a better place for you. Then you will be honored in front of all of the other guests. Folks, I guess what I want you to realize is that God is not in the business of any of us trying to self-promote ourselves. Trying to ensure that people see your importance. The whole significance of being a Christian is that people see the importance of Jesus Christ. Everybody say Jesus. Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. Jesus. Look, after today, if you don't even remember my name, it would still be okay. Because my name will not get you anything. But the name of Jesus will get you everything. The name of Jesus will get you into heaven. The name of Jesus will get you healed. The name of Jesus will get you delivered. The name of Jesus, the name that is above every name, is the name that we want people to focus on. That's what you, in your living as a Christian, is not so much. Remember what the Bible says? It says, it's no longer who? I. But who? Christ in me. That's the hope. That's the hope for your community. That's the hope for your culture. That's the hope for your nation. That's the hope for the world. Christ. Christ in us. There you, uh, there was a, a, I think Larry Hutton years ago brought a t-shirt here that had on it. I want to be so hidden in Christ that nobody can see me. There was a African-American man, his name is um, William Seymour, and most of us associate William Seymour with an event that took place over 100 years ago, and it was called the Azusa Street Revival. William Seymour was a man who was very humble. He was moved by an experience that was happening at that time in Missouri. But because of the color of his skin, the church that was having revival did not feel comfortable letting him come in the church. I don't know if any of you have watched any of Billy Graham's specials and when they talk about his autobiography, Billy Graham went to many venues where there was a, a section that said colored only. And Billy Graham and every one of them would go and tear the sign down. Because how many of you know heaven doesn't have a colored only, white only, red only, yellow only section? Heaven is heaven. And all God's people are welcome. You and I have these hangups about pigmentation. And God said, if you're going to have salvation, you're going to have to get over your pigmentation issues. For God has created us all in his likeness and his image. I can't tell you the reasons why in all of this pigmentation. 
But I'll tell you this. John 3.16 tells me salvation came to all. This is why when you were singing that song with Fred Hammond this morning, he said, and I know most people thought it was gentle, G-E-N-T-L-E, but it's Gentile. God came for the Jew and the Gentile. God came for the poor and the rich. God came for the black and the white. John 3.16 leaves nobody out. For God so loved And see, when you humble yourself, you don't see it as this group is getting ahead of me or that group is getting ahead of me or this culture is getting ahead of me or that culture is getting ahead of me. You just want everybody to be in the presence of Jesus. Remember me telling you uh, about the Special Olympics. In the Special Olympics, there are these children that are on the very first Special Olympic that was given. All these children are lined up as seven of them running a race. It's supposed to be a hundred yard dash. And you know how that is. Uh, you hear the, the caller saying, on your mark, get ready. And then they generally fire off a, a flare gun and, and everybody's supposed to go. And so these children all took off. But within a few steps, one of the little girls who was running the race fell. It's a hundred yard dash, but she's only gone probably about five, ten to five to ten yards, and she fell. And she began to cry. And what's so beautiful about this Special Olympic story is that all the other runners instead of just focusing on getting to the finish line like a lot of us, it's about me, I want to be first. All of the other Olympic runners that day, you know what they did? They turned around. Every one of them turned around. Every one of them went back and helped her to get up. And they linked up and they all crossed the finish line together. What a beautiful sight if that were to truly happen in the church. Where we are really, truly concerned about everyone. You know, I've been running for COVID right now. I would say to every one of you, link up. But I want you to see it virtually. You linked up with other people. You're not trying to get off into some kind of little small segment of to yourself. You're not just saying, these are my favorite in the church and I don't have anything else to do with them other people. Folks, truly you will get to know some better than others. No question about that. It's impossible for you not to get to know some people better than others. But God said, but well, what do you do to reach out to the one that you don't know? Are you okay Sunday by Sunday coming in here and saying, I don't have anything to do with that set of people over there? This is my circle. I, I, I see this person, they sit in the same seat every Sunday, so I wave at them. What's their name? I don't know. You know the one with the, the hairdo, the, the one with the, 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 the shoes, the one with the... And we, we start describing people by stuff because we don't take time to get to know them. Folks, it's important to take time to get to know people. 
And oftentimes I think you all look at me and you go, how does Ms. Patton, Pastor Horace know all these people? You take time to get to know people. You just don't see some people as special and the other people as insignificant. Look at your neighbor and say, you're important to me. Say it again. Find another neighbor and say, you're important to me. Hezekiah Walker in a song years ago, and we used to play that during our time when we would have this time of welcoming, and I, I, I wanted it to be a theme for us at that time, and I know um, my media team, they probably got tired of hearing the song, but the song has a message, has a sermon in it. I need you to survive. I need you. The song had lyrics, and it says, and I won't hurt you. With words from my mind. How many of you know when people are self-promoting, sometimes they are not, they don't feel like they're at the level of this person. So in order to get to that point, they, th they decide, well, you know what? I'll pull you down. I'll start talking about you. I'll start pulling you down to what? My level. What is that? Self-promotion. Folks, it's happened to me. It's happened to me to people, people that I love and uh, I, I trust it. And all of a sudden, people say, Pastor, you know, you, you put too much trust in these people. You thought they were doing this, but, man, they have their own private and secret meetings where they talk about what's wrong with you and what you're not doing and what they hope you would do or wish you would do. You know, I even had a committee of people working on me retiring. If Pastor would just step down, that Man, the church would take off. I don't know about that. that. That's what they said about Jesus. If he just stepped out of the way, you know, it'd be okay. And when Jesus wouldn't step out of the way, they said, well, we, we have a way to pull him down. You know, he got people around him that ain't really with him anyway. One of them was named who? Judas. He said, all we have to do is give Judas a few little pieces of what? Silver. And he'll sell him out. How many of you know that every now and then you got people around you that will sell you out too? Amen. Amen. You have to learn how to be humble. You just have to learn how to be humble. Because when you're humble, God says, I'll take care of you. How many of you have heard the scripture that says, and the meek shall inherit the earth? That's a paradox. Because you, you know, in the natural, you think, man, what will meek people do? But that's exactly what we need in charge of our nation, isn't it? Oftentimes, we got people that's got so much arrogance. And, and all of the time, anybody ever been with somebody and all they do is talk about themselves? I mean, you, they go on for hours. And, and you go, man, I thought I wanted to meet this person until I met this person. And all they did was talk about themselves. And then eventually, after an hour, two hours, they might say, oh, enough about me. You go, you think? <laughs> you think? Boy, folks, the Bible says we are supposed to be what? Decreasing. We're talking about greatness. He says, if you want to be great in the kingdom of God, you're learning how to be abased. You're learning how to be okay stepping back and letting somebody else step forward. Folks, this shouldn't be just something that happens in a food line. And I'm not talking about the stores. I'm, I'm talking about, you know, when we have our little food fellowship, somebody might say, oh, let the 
the first be last. This is not just about your place in line to get food. This is about your life. Do you live your life like this? Where you defer and prefer someone else. Do you know that Jesus deferred and preferred? That Jesus loved you and I so much that he left all of heaven. He left all of his glory. He left all, I mean, he laid it all down for you and I so that we could be lifted up. Folks, it's okay to lay it down so that when you pick it back up, and God will want you to pick up your cross. Just like he said to Moses. You remember Moses had this big staff? I got one in my office. This big staff. He said, lay it down, Moses. Because Moses, I don't want you to think that Moses, however you're going to move in the progress that you're going to make in life, it's about how much power you had. It's about my power. You remember when Moses laid it down? It turned into what? A serpent. And then God said, pick it back up. Pick it up by the, the, the tail. And when he picked it back up, God could transform it again. And folks, if you lay things down, and the first thing that God wants you and I to lay down is us. Us. Find this song. It's Michael W. Smith. And he's singing with Jose. I, I, I can't remember Jose's last name. But the song is I Surrender All. You know it. You sang it. But perhaps you didn't understand it. When you surrender all, it is no longer you that lives anymore. It's Christ. It's Christ in you. So, somebody say, no longer I. Say it again, no longer I. Those of you who are viewing, go ahead and say it. No longer I. It's Christ. I, I can't tell you how many church arguments has been because of the I statement. I want. I feel. I believe. I think. What about what Christ has said? What about the advice that Christ has given us? What about the word? Is the word truly the lamp unto our feet? the light unto our path, the medicine to our flesh. Is it truly about, I, I, I went to the word before I took action, and I've gotten, as it were, the clarity and the direction from the word of God. You know what the Bible says, lean not unto what? Your own understanding. Acknowledge God in what? All of your ways. And what will happen? He'll direct you. Anybody here want to be directed by God? And maybe some of you are viewing, perhaps it's the first time that you, you, you've been online with us and linked up. Perhaps this is the first time you're hearing an invitation that says, you know what? It starts with your surrender to God. If you want to be great, if you want to be great, and I believe God puts in all of us something about greatness. I believe that every one of you have something in you that is supposed to bring you to a level of greatness. But the way to greatness is not up. 
not in terms of you being elevated, but it's down. Amen. And Christ being elevated. Amen. You know, the Bible says, if we lift him up, what will happen? He will draw all men unto him. Amen. Oftentimes, folks, ministers are probably the most guilty of that. We lift ourselves up. And that won't draw people. It might attract people for a season, but it won't keep them. God can keep you. God will keep them if they get to know Jesus. But if they get to know you and they get to know people, I mean, you know, people disappoint. It might be one month, one year, multiple months, multiple years. But after a while, you're going to find something in someone that disappointed you. How many of you know what I'm talking about? We all live in that world. But God will never disappoint you. The Bible says he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. And lo, he will be with you where? Until the end of the ages. Everybody needs Jesus. If you believe that, raise both your hands up in the air. Everybody needs Jesus. Everybody needs Jesus. If you've got your hands and you've never really surrendered to Jesus Christ, I'm going to encourage you, do that right now. and Say, Jesus, be my Lord. Jesus, be my Savior. Jesus, I surrender to you. I mean, truly give your life to Christ. It's a growth process. You don't get it all in one day. You won't get it all today. But it's morning by morning, the new mercies that you will see. You're going to go from faith to faith, from glory to glory. And you will realize that you were made in the likeness and the image of God. You were made to think like God. You were made to act like God. You were able to serve like Jesus. Because Jesus himself said, you can do what I do. But it's got to be a yielded and surrendered vessel. How many of you know that God, Jesus has to clean you up before he can put something in you? How many of you, if I was going to serve food, and let's just say a glass of water, but I had a dirty glass. How many would want me to clean that up before I tried to use it? How many of you ever been in, perhaps in a hotel, and you say, uh, uh, front desk, somebody needs to come in, clean this room, or give me a, another room. See, what God wants to do is clean you up so he can fill you up. Let him clean you up today. Let him show you what greatness really looks like when you are truly clean. Surrender to Christ if you want to truly understand what greatness is. If you were able to find that song, give me a thumbs up. If you weren't, it's okay. Nobody's looking at me right now. <laughs> it's a thumbs up. She says it's just a moment. It, it's just, it, it's a, a tremendous song. Michael W. Smith is the, the lead on this song and it's called I Surrender. It's an old hymn. It's an appropriate hymn. You know, as a child, I don't think I ever really appreciated. I didn't even appreciate holy, holy, holy until I began to get into the scripture. And then you begin to see that's what songs really should be about, the scripture. It's not just something that makes me feel good because, folks, you can go get worldly songs and they can make you feel good. It's about something that transforms you, something that actually changes your life. And it's connected to the things of God. 
And when you get connected to God, when you have truly surrendered and you get connected to God, there's nothing like it. So I want us to go, and this is our benediction, and for all of you that are viewing and listening, I'm saying to you, let's live a surrendered life to Jesus Christ. It'll take you to greatness. It'll take you to greatness, and you will literally be called to it. You don't try to promote yourself. You don't try to put yourself in that position. You will be called to it. And that calling will come from God. I am taking on the responsibility of uh, three young men, and all of them ironically have called me and said, Pastor, will you teach me about godly manhood? And I've shared it with them. I will give them one hour every week, but they have to initiate the call. And I'm just going to pour in their lives because I do want them to be godly men. Amen. I'm not talking about ordaining young men right now. I'm talking about helping them to see the value of Christ in their life. And if there are any more men in our church who you want that, you say, look, I'd like to have some of that kind of time with pastor. I'm going to ask you, call, call our church office, and we're going to set time. I believe this is where a season that I'm supposed to be in as a pastor, especially with men, where I'm speaking to you one-on-one. -on -one. Not in a group setting. You know, we've done the men's meeting and group settings, but I realize most men aren't free enough yet to be able to open up in an environment with a group of men. But they are open in a one-on-one -on -one session. Pastor, will you have enough time? Jesus redeems my time. I realize, wow. It's amazing when you look back and see what your days were spent. Look, I, I share with you about football. Even when I try to watch football, I don't think I can get more than 10 minutes of football in anymore. And I realize that most of football watchers, you spend three hours in that. You spend three hours. And a lot of what's happening with football, especially in commercial, is really horrible for the soul. Because our young boys are thinking that they must drink beer and alcohol and other things because that's associated with the sport. And it shouldn't be. There's just so much I see wrong with it. Right now, I can't even hardly listen to sports radio because they're talking about the over and the under and betting. It's just filled with gambling right now. And so the Lord is saying... <laughs> I need you to wean off. That's not what I need you. I, there are some things that I'm going to let you watch or things that I want you to watch that uh, uh, it's going to help you to understand where society is and how you can be a better pastor to people, how you can be a better pastor to men. And so, men, this is an open invitation to you to call, and I'll set that time. It's just going to be you and I. It'll generally be telephonic, but we're going to set some time where we go through the things of God. And I'll give you a hint. One of the first things that I'd like to share with men about being godly men is First and Second Timothy. We'll live there for most of the conversation because it speaks to you more about anything in the Bible about how to be a godly man. Amen? Stand to your feet. Elizabeth, if you've got that, if you've got the words especially, I think that it will really help us to understand and seal this message in our spirit and go out. Go out, truly surrender to God, truly understanding biblical greatness, not worldly greatness, but biblical greatness. Lift it up higher.
Come on, sing it, church. I surrender all to you. I freely I will ever love and trust him in his presence daily. blessed going out and our whole hearts are yielded to you. It's not about doing they appear to be bitter to all of us. But Father, you can take our mourning, what you have already done, and we believe, Lord, for even greater things to come. We believe that the best is yet to come now. But it's coming through Christ. So in you is the best thing that's ever happened to us. A songwriter, Jonathan Butler, who spent most of his years singing what we call jazz music, met Jesus one day. I need to go back and change his life. It changed his song. It changed his focus. The next week, some of us need an adjustment because our Focus is not on first priority and be added to us. And so you will hear me, Miss Pat, the kingdom of God and his righteousness, so that all of the other things are not wandering. And it was all about focus. This is why, leaders, I'm asking you to. Connect with me this evening because we've got to get focused. We've got to do, and we've got to do them now. God bless you, and go and be a blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks again for joining us today. Here at Rainbow Family, our mission is to love God, love people, and change the world. If you would like to partner with us in any way, we encourage you to visit our website at rainbowfamilychristian.org.